So we've got uh, a great little show today. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. I very much appreciate it. Hey, Jose, why don't you add Crypto Megan and uh, John McBee's speakers because I uh, I don't seem to be able to add speakers at the moment. Oh, there we go. They there are already speakers. speakers What's yeah. up, guys? I'm on board. Happy to be Hello. here today. Hey, everybody. Always love to have you. Thank you for coming. How have you been? Things have been busy, man, nonstop. I know a lot of people are winding down for Christmas, but I'm winding up. You know what I mean? Like, uh, just pumped. I've been uh, doing a lot of uh, talks on what's going on with FTX and that whole, uh, you know, train of events. I know there's a lot to discuss there. Um, and actually, I've been talking about Benzinga events to so many people because it was just so awesome, man. You guys did such an amazing job. And it was so cool to see such a big turnout to the crypto event. Oh, I, I would love awesome. to hear your stories. Yeah, absolutely. That That is, I mean, I tried to get some people who uh, attended the show to, uh, to join us. Uh, we've got XDC coming, of course. They were a sponsor at the event. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit. And we're going to talk a little bit, a bit about FTX because I think we're going to try and wrap up the year a little bit and then talk about what we're expecting coming out of 2023. So I think that's going to pretty much be the focus of today. At this point, I think we've all clocked in several hundred hours talking about Sam Bankman-Fried. Yeah, probably a little bit too much, actually. But it is something that's, you know, governing the whole space right now. And it, and it is going to set the precedent for a lot of future, probably, regulation and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, the new developments today were crazy. I don't know if you saw them in the past 10 hours. Which one we ta- ones are we talking about? The fact that he went home and has facial hair now? <laughs> no, the one where they flipped on him. Caroline flipped on him, and now they're oh, uh, coordinating. Yeah, yeah tell, tell us about that. Yeah, so basically, like, Caroline and the other guy, Wang, I guess is his name, uh, they both flipped on him. They're, co- they're cooperating with the FBI now, um, you know, saying that they, they had been involved in this illicit activity. Um, it's, it's, it's a really crazy developing story. But so they decided to cooperate with the Fed, and they pleaded guilty to uh, quite a few charges. I think Caroline was about 10, and, and the other guy, Wang, which is a, a buddy of his from way back when, uh, about four different charges. So uh, it's going to come down heavy on, on Sam, for sure. Right. You know, he's not, you don't think he's going to be able to sad little boy his way out of this one? Because I swear, I don't know what that that misbegotten media tour he was doing was supposed to be about, except to convince the internet to not be mad at him for stealing $3 billion. Well, yeah. And my thing is, you know, I, I want to know the intentionality of this because I know that a lot of times things don't start out that way. And then when a lot of money gets involved, people get tilted and greed kicks in. And then what I really want to know is, was this happening from the start? And I think that's what we're going to see, because um, in in a lot of the media reports, I mean, they say it's been happening since 2019. And I think that's when FTX was actually founded, you know, so like, was this going on from the beginning? And now, I mean, she's going to testify against him. (laughs) So I don't see Mm -hmm. how he's going to get out of this one. Right. No, it, it it's it's true. I, I he uh you know, in a way you gotta admire his nerve. In his position, I might have stopped at maybe allegedly stealing just a billion dollars, but but I'm but I'm not greedy like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Think how many Lambos that is. That's a lot of Lambos, Jose. No, I think it, that's, yeah. that's it, seems, it, it seems that, you know, uh, it has been from the very start because Almeda Research had open access to the exchange platform. They could, you know, borrow any kind of, you know, uh, amount from FTX. Uh, apart from that, there were no mm-hmm. controls based on the current CEO. Uh, it, 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 the corporate controls are the worst that he has seen in his life. So I think uh, uh, it was doomed from the day one. Uh, I think all the um, funds siphoning, etc. And then, you know, floundering all the AML laws, etc. were happening from day one. Right. And this is, uh, Ravi, you are you are uh, co-founder of Zeev, if I'm correct. Right. Am I correct yeah, on that? Right. Um, uh, w- which is uh, a, a layer one that also uh, was a sponsor and attendee at the event. Thank you very much for coming out to the uh, Future of Crypto event uh, in, in New York. We, we appreciate your attendance and participation. You were great in the panel. No, it, it, was, it was a great event. Uh, in fact, you know, the whole event, including I met some of the uh, uh, good ones. Just to correct, uh, we are not layer one. We are into Web3 infrastructure as a service. We provide uh, Web3 APIs and node deployment for various Web3 startups. Oh, okay. My, my bad. Uh, Trueflation, by the way, is going to be speaking as well. I don't know if 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 that's uh, if this is the account that you guys want to be speaking from, but I did send you a speaker invite. Um, John McBee, I believe you're from XTC. So, hello. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I am from XTC. We're a enterprise-ready layer one blockchain uh, fork of Ethereum. Um, talk a little bit about trade finance maybe today as well. Okay. Well, fantastic. It's been a, a crazy year. I mean, and in just a few days before the holidays, it's a good time to kind of catch up and, and, and talk about all, all the madness that has happened here. So let, let's let's do a, a ring around the uh, the rosy here with the, with the, uh, the the current speakers. If the, if there's anybody who's on who is supposed to be a speaker, like raise your hand so that I know you're there. Because sometimes if you're like on the XTC account versus on your own personal account, I don't necessarily know whether you're meant to be a speaker or not. I'm the dog's going to say hi in the background. But let's go ahead and and throw out the uh, the first question, which which is you know. Obviously, I've heard many very respect, respectable and knowledgeable pundits in, in, the, in the field and the project leaders and so forth say that we are getting toward the end of the uh, knock-on effects stemming from, um, from uh, FTX. But I don't necessarily see that. The, oh, we've got, we've got uh, Stefan Rust here as well. Stefan, it's delightful to see you. I didn't know that you were joining us today. Stefan was also a speaker at our show last week, so I just sent you a speaker invite. But let's go ahead and, and go down the road, starting with John. You know, where is this going to end? I mean, look at Gemini halfway going to take a fall. Like I, I, uh, I begin to wonder if this is is this the death knell for centralized exchanges? What do you think, John? Yeah, I mean, I think this is definitely the death knell for uh, playing fast and loose with centralized exchanges. Um, I mean, centralized exchanges are the mainly the vehicle for for retail to come and play in this space, and so I don't see them as being pivotal uh, to adoption by industry. And I think as more and more industry comes into this market, that the the main use case for centralized exchanges kind of fades away. And even on the retail side, you can see a lot of uh, volume shifting from centralized to decentralized uh, exchanges. So this, I mean, I think the death knell may have even preceded uh, these events. 
but these are definitely accelerating uh, the, the death of these centralized exchanges. Excellent. What do you think, Megan? How, how many more exchanges have to die before we uh, get past this FTX thing? Oh, man. I mean, I think uh, there's a lot more exposure than people think. And people just get caught up because they trust the they just all trust each other. And they all the the traditional finance scene is all based on reputation. And um, nobody's looking behind the curtain, really. Uh, One thing I I do think is of note is uh, I've, I've worked with Binance quite a bit. And I know they're under fire now because they're pointing the finger and this and that. But CZ said that he thinks that in within the next five to 10 years, centralized exchanges won't exist. And that's kind of crazy for an exchange of that magnitude to be to be saying that. Uh, but one of the things I did speak about at Benzinga when I had my panel about how to onboard the next billion users is something that Ivan said, who's um, the CEO of MoonPay. And he's like, you know, what if we could just use the wallet, the self-custodied the wallet for users to to interact with on every level so for example the wallet was the base of the on and off ramp and users directly self-custody their coins instead of using an exchange at all Um, i just think that in the future exchanges aren't going to custody they are not going to custody crypto because that is not the ultimate way and it's not even going to be the the thing that helps us onboard these people there's got to be like a hybrid approach for new users and that's what my opinion is that we're going to go away from that model more toward what Ivan's vision is of a wallet being the end source and the beginning source yeah it's 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 interesting i mean i agree with you i can see how that dovetails in with some of the things that Vitalik Buterin has said about uh you know soul tokens or soul bound tokens uh, be, being a way to, you know, I verify your identity once, create a stronger user experience, make things easier for people. It's interesting you should bring up MoonPay, who, yes, was, was also at the show. They just partnered with Uniswap, who is obviously, you know, Uniswap already has quite a bit of uh, prestige, and uh, they're looking to promote self-custodying of funds, and uh, also, they've uh, they're working with MoonPay to allow you to purchase um, with to purchase crypto with credit cards, debit cards, and bank transfers. So they are reaching out, and in my opinion, from a PR perspective, reaching out and saying, "Hey, uh, new users, this is an easy and safer way uh, to get into crypto and hold on to your own funds." Uh, I, I know that you have strong opinions, Stefan, about uh, about self custodying. You you've been saying that really since this FTX thing began, and be- and before then. Um, you know, h- how long is this going to keep hurting us? Are we gonna are we gonna is there going to be an, uh, or should we start keeping a death watch on all centralized exchanges? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Thanks, Justin. Great to be here, and sorry for coming late. But I mean, I really. Oh, it's think awesome that... to have you. It's always awesome. Yeah. always awesome when you're here. Uh, yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, your keys, your coins, right? We've been saying that for a long time. I think the advantage, so if you look at the exchanges, what is the value that they brought at the beginning? At the beginning, they provided, and the problems that a lot of the wallets had is the wallets were dedicated to a specific chain. As you launched a new chain, uh, you needed to make sure that your wallet would support that chain. And today we have lots of different chains from Arbitrum to Optimism. And whilst all of them are EVM, and now today MetaMask supports all of the EVMs, they still, on MetaMask, I don't have a wallet that supports my Bitcoin. 
my Bitcoin Cash, my Monero, my Litecoins, right? So I need a different wallet for that. Then I have Solana. You know, Solana has the Phantom wallet and I have different coins there. What exchanges did and still do today is they aggregate and enable one central um I suppose interface where I and 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 repository or aggregation of repositories where I can then store all my coins in one place. So it becomes a user experience factor. But I think over time you're seeing more and more wallets being able to support um, different types of, of cryptocurrencies and hosting the different nodes. Right? I mean. Um, as that matures and as those user interfaces get better and better, we're going to see a stronger migration, um, I think, as, as Megan said, around getting away or, by, or CZ has said that we're going to move coins across into decentralized um, finance and decentralized not self-custodial wallets. The... I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think there's going to be a value for a certain amount of centralized solutions. I don't think Binance as a centralized exchange is going to go away. I don't think Coinbase is going to go away. They're going to find a niche and a spot. And they have so much money locked up in there at the moment that there will always be a play for them. Will it be as big and as influential as they are now? I, I see in the next five years a big shift towards more decentralized um, and, and self-custodial solutions. But I do feel people will lose their money <laughs> um, right. in the, at the moment with the current user experiences that we have. Maintaining your keys, your mnemonic phrases, um, where do I have all my coins? People are just inherently comfortable comfortably numb and so you just are not going to be diligent like an accountant and store all your data uh your wallet your coin staked etc everywhere mm -hmm. you know uh, there was uh a, a statement made before the senate banking committee by ben mckenzie over the past week or so the la past 10 days which is a really wicked takedown of the crypto industry overall, by the way. I always think those things are totally worth reading because, like, my attitude is if you are strong in your convictions, then you shouldn't be afraid to read dissenting points of view. And In fact, uh, they're necessary. We, we need to be necessary of self-criticism. And what I do see as, as being of value about what he said there is that this this kind of thing happened where you know after the first like there are gatekeepers of uh the the first few wealthy uh investors that verify the ftx is okay kind of become the due diligence for the next group of wealthy investors and that's that seems to be the 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 worship of people who are aggregating money in great quantities um with within our 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 culture our our uh crypto uh, ecosystem or crypto space, whatever we want to call it, um, seems to lead to this kind of thing where, we, where we've got, you know, these people who are, are put at the top of the heap because they're centralized and have all this money collected, but they are collecting users' money. And that really raises the question of, uh, of what they're doing it, what they're doing with it. I mean, how do we, how do you look past that? I mean, that, but that's a real question because I know you have more experience on the in, investor side, uh, uh, Stefan. 
you know, how, how, like, what, what does it, if, um, if so many esteemed people, you know, in the VC space have already said that this project is okay, what is the average consumer to do to, uh, to second guess that? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I generally don't look at VCs. I mean, I look at on chain and, and, and Twitter. I mean, Twitter is a beautiful platform where everybody openly discloses and tracks wallet addresses, um, coins. Um, and, and as a result, you get a good in, insight into, you know, how reliable they are. And, and ultimately, I mean, Binance has been, has been around since 2014, right? I mean, they've, been, they've got some history in this space. Um, they've always had, you know, your funds are SAFU, you know, that's, they came up with that coin. And I don't think anybody's ever lost any money with Binance. And I would say the same with Coinbase. I don't think, I think Coinbase and Kraken as well, Bitstamp, there are, you know, stalwart brands that have been around and gone through a number of crises and stayed solid to their commitment to keep users and build trust. Um, and I think that is something that you look towards when you invest. And I think you do the same if you would, you know, when you put your hard earned fiat money, when you give it to a bank, you're also concerned, is that bank solid? You know, do I give it to a JP Morgan? Do I give it to a Chase? Do I go to Wells Fargo? Where do I go? Or do I go to, you know, Stefan's bank, you know, it's like, uh, you know, um, right. Right. You, you're always going to be looking and I think you should do your research and you should ask around and yeah, I, if, ask builders. If, um, if listeners uh, get an opportunity to look at the free banking period, uh, which took place, I believe before the great depression, um, here in the U S uh, you know, there, there was a, a system of states approving bank charters on a state-by-state -state basis, and then those banks collateralizing their, their newly formed bank by buying bonds in the actual state. So aside from the obvious conflict that that creates, because you're buying, you know, directly into, uh, into the system that's also approving you... Um, well, as it turns out, lots and lots of banks failed within five years of that happening. That was before there was a, a federal system uh, to protect things. And uh, people have suggested that, uh, you know, the, the same thing is, is in essence happening now. We, we, we reproduced so many of the problems of traditional finance without the same, um, you know, guardrails that, that keeps that from flying completely off the, uh, off the chain. You know, uh, Robbie, let, let, let's go ahead and, and throw this over to you. I, I know that, um, you know, Zeev is is in the business of helping other um, enterprise class uh, developers launch their own blockchain applications. Have you seen um, a more serious discussion about decentralization? Because, you know, during the bull run, I feel like we kind of got away from our principles of decentralization a little bit. And maybe we're finding out now why that was actually an important thing to hold on to. What do you think? No, I think the uh, uh, concept and philosophy still remains the same. But I agree with Stephen that, you know, uh, one, user experience is still a, a major challenge for widespread adoption. So I see that, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the short run still, there would be centralized wallets, centralized exchanges still would be there and, and they will play a role. Um, what, what is required is more regulations like, you know, proof of reserves has been talked about. 
how you know uh, third party regulated custodians need to be there to manage the custody of the funds um so i think uh, uh, regulations will play a role but centralized uh, entities will still remain maybe with more regulation secondly if you see uh, uh, like you know in, in 2022 we have seen a lot of cross brain uh, uh, cross chain bridges hacks and one of the uh, uh, mm-hmm. value that you know some of these exchanges provide like binance you can uh you, you can trade in any token and you can withdraw on any of the networks so uh, uh, so binance is not just uh, uh, or, or exchanges like binance are not playing just a role of of facilitating trading on the platform but also uh, custody or your tokens as well as you know provide investment products and and so and so forth but i think yes uh, uh, slowly and slowly as user get more accustomed and and you know all user experiences change like for example social logins you know social logins in bringing another change where you can have uh, your your keys in a non custodial way still um, you can use social logins to uh, uh, manage your logins so uh, these kind of initiatives which are happening now uh, will drive more and more decentralized wallets and exchanges and i think uh, people will and, and i think there are a lot of training which is going on again enabling more and more people to know how to use metamask how to secure their keys and use decentralization mm-hmm. so from i think from developers perspective they always believe you know they always like uh, things to be decentralized but as we know that it's it's a transition phase we have seen that in the case of daos also Uh, that uh, we cannot claim that any of the DAOs is truly or hundred percent decentralized. It's a, it's a transition. It's going to happen over a period of time. Well, well, that's true. But of course, we have to get back the faith of of users. Sorry, I've got a golden retriever barking in the background. Um, you know, John, how are we going to do that? I mean, I I remember going back to like twenty sixteen. Every family member. I had when I first started writing about uh, the crypto space was of the opinion, oh, you mean that the, the thing that's just a bunch of scams, right? Just a bunch of people scamming money out of other people by selling nothing. Like that seemed to be the mainstream impression. And then it got a little bit better during COVID. But uh, stories like Sam Bankman-Fried are very colorful and dominate the news cycle for a long time. Um, I'm almost a little bit sick of writing about it, to tell you the truth. But he is a colorful character. You know, how do we come back here, from here. this? Yeah, yeah. How about it? I mean, and and how boring to listen to his mealy mouthed excuses. I made a lot of mistakes. I didn't really know what was going on. I mean, come on, man. That's what you say when you've you've stolen three hundred dollars, not not three billion. <laughs> But uh, anyway, John, what do we do to counteract the really shitty PR that goes along with these uh, colorful explosions? So, and I mean, that's what it is, right? This is really shitty PR. If, if you look at traditional finance, this type of this type of news is not uncommon, right? The reaction to it's a little bit different. Um, people don't lose their minds when a major bank uh, needs to to get a cash injection from the government to stay alive, right? So crypto is more reactionary, more inflammatory, uh, and people do treat it like it's a scam. I agree, and I think the the path forward is kind of a shift in in utility, where people get attracted to the technology. Because remember, the the technology didn't fail here, right? There's nothing about blockchain that's inherently wrong or was inherently taken advantage of. This is just people in making decisions at the business level, not at the technology level. And that's where the failure is, and so we need to make sure that that becomes or, or or remains an obvious talking point. 
blockchain as a technology still has a, a really good chance of disrupting multiple industries, right? That decentralized, transparent immutability that blockchain can bring to existing processes, it really has value. And so I think that, you know, maybe the first billion users came for the speculation and the next billion will come for uh, the utility. And so as as people build and they build things that people want to use, like decentralized applications that can interact with each other, interact with real world data feeds through oracles, that's going to be what brings people back. You know, and there's some UX like that people have mentioned that need to be addressed. And it has to be simple to onboard into this ecosystem. It has to be simple and safe to custody in this ecosystem. Uh, people shouldn't be storing their their funds on these exchanges. They just shouldn't be. Right? That's not what they're for. They're they're for exchanging uh, value between between different asset types. And so that's what's going to do, in my opinion, is people building. Uh, a transition from from Web two applications to Web three applications that can take advantage of real decentralization uh, that brings the next wave of people. So, in your work with XTC as director of uh, integrations, have you found that there is a greater interest in building things decentralized from the ground up? Uh, yeah, I mean, so we're, we're working with uh, with people, particularly in like the trade finance world, and the value that they see is the their ability to remove trust, right? So, particularly in that context, we're looking at doing things across borders where jurisdictional regulations are just different on either side, and the traditional ways of doing that are cumbersome and, and they're slow, they're prone to errors, and so blockchain just has you know built-in benefits of digitizing these processes, putting them on chain. Everybody can look at the chain as a source of truth. It makes things flow more quickly. Um, it ends up having second layer effects where you open up new markets and asset types to people who didn't have access to them. Otherwise, either on the retail side or on the corporate side, um, you can you can use blockchain to find efficiencies in back office management, uh, risk mitigation, inventory management, supply chain. So I don't I think what people value is the ability to remove trust between entities and, and kind of put it all in one location on a chain where you can always see the provenance of a document. You know, it's easy to, to make sure that this bill of lading that was signed is the same bill of lading that I'm looking at uh, as, as a, a compliance officer at a bank. Right. So from that capacity, decentralization does add value. Um, I don't think that they care at all about decentralized exchanges or the fact that they fail. I think it's just noise. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's interesting. Uh, you know, obviously, we we've all got some stake in. I mean, even even Benzinga in uh, helping to maintain faith in uh, in crypto overall or digital assets overall as an as an asset class. Um, you know, M Megan, how, how do you deal with that issue? Yeah, do you get more naysayers asking you questions now than before? I mean, you know, it's a it's kind of a tough question to answer because I think it was kind of shocking for people. But at the same time now, I don't really notice that they're saying, OK, some people are like, see, I told you crypto is a Ponzi. And, you know, there will always be those people. But now I'm just getting more of like a desire from people to actually get educated and to understand what happened because they're still interested in the crypto scene in general and they want answers. They want to know, like, why did this happen? And um, so one of the questions that I like to consider is, the power that comes into this was FTX involved in this scheme from the start, 
or did they simply get put in this position of power and then decide, okay, the greed took over and I'm going to start running this like a Ponzi scheme. And the, the one thing I find different than what you said, Stefan, you know, you can, um, you can shop around banks and that's all well and good. And banks are, you know, the way banks are they're but they're backed by the U S dollar, you know, at the end of the day and exchanges aren't, but they're running like fractional reserves. And the thing about, I did do a, a fireside chat with Helen High, the senior vice president of Binance. And our whole thing was, blockchain is the future of governance because you know what blockchain does and the transparency of it it removes that human nature and the corruption in the things that happen in the governance that that's going on today so with exchanges for example we don't see what's going on behind the curtain they're not making that transparent and so we don't see the wallets so now they're doing this merkle tree proof of funds okay we get to see the proof of funds possibly, but we don't see the liabilities. And then it's a whole question of, okay, and it's not backed by the US dollar, which may or may not be a good source of backing in general anyway. But uh, I think we just need to have that transparency and that trustless system to where we see everything that happens. And yes, there is a the big desire from new users to learn. Okay, what now? I use this example all the time. I have a very high net worth client that I consult for his crypto allocations. And he told me we have fundamentally different views of security and he's totally fine leaving his money on exchange. This was two years ago. This guy has bodyguards and this is the way that he perceives it. And so people all, all of a sudden now they're like, oh, okay, this actually isn't the same as a bank. This doesn't operate the same and exchanges shouldn't custody crypto. I, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think you've raised some really good points, but bear in mind that, you know, whilst, you know, there's um, whilst the traditional banks, as we know them, they are equally intransparent, right? They, they don't disclose all of their details. They have an auditor that they pay to come in and review that. And we saw how that worked out in 2008, right? Um, and the whole point around Bitcoin and crypto was we wanted to create a new system for a new environment that was going to be transparent. But somehow we always keep going back to these centralized exchanges. And my view is, at least based on my experience in, in, in over a decade in crypto and in Bitcoin, building businesses and working alongside these business leaders, is at least at, at, at Binance, they're not operating on a fractional reserve model. Banks today work on a 20% fractional reserve, right? So they have of their collateral of the amounts that they have, they have 20% in liquid assets. The remainder is locked up somewhere, somehow in real estate or in other funds or, or, or anywhere else. In crypto, you don't have that kind of exposure. Generally, most of the exchanges operate one-to-one -one with the customer assets. They're all backed 100%. They don't touch them. Um, is that true? In the case of FTX, obviously, that wasn't quite true. Um, and yeah, so, so it's, it's how do we find a right approach to get us visibility into how they're operated? Decentralized exchanges, no worries. You see all of that. We have all of that visible. Centralized, it's, we need to get more visibility into that. Although all of their wallets are tracked. You can go to Chainalysis. You can go to any of the, you know, you can go to Bitfury. You can go to all the Crystalis, or you can go to all of these companies and they will have most of the exchange wallets, if not all the exchange wallets documented, and they can immediately show you 
what's on there, and how are those funds moving from these exchange wallets? I would agree with you on the the bank thing. I mean, the banks are definitely running their fractional reserves. And and it's like, for me, it's like the same, the same system with better tech now in crypto. And we have to avoid that. We have to avoid carrying over that same old tired system with the same mechanisms, just better technology, which is blockchain. And yeah, you can see some of the wallets. And I don't know that all of the exchanges are backed one to one. I would hope they are. The problem is we can't see their liabilities. Um, I do think Binance is one of the better exchanges. He CZ has always said that they have a 10-year runway as far as cash reserves. And I saw the one thing that made me really um, look into Binance was during the bull run when everybody was raging, throwing money around, all exchanges were like throwing money like you can't you can't imagine. Binance wasn't. And they've, they've been, it's not their first rodeo. So, but again, like, should we put it all our faith and our trust and custodying the crypto there? That's not the answer, in my opinion. And I really like the method that Ivan is trying to push for, which is like, let's make your wallet the the source of like on and off ramp instead of an exchange. And I think that's a good model to turn to. Yeah. You know, uh, I actually invited B&B chain last minute to to join us on the show. So I've avoided commenting too much on, on Binance, but you guys keep bringing it up as an example. Uh, When's Binance going to disclose about its reserve? Is, is it in the right and not disclosing about its, about its reserve? What, isn't that going to, make people uncomfortable i mean yeah they they should comment on that and i think they're in a shitstorm right now because um kevin o'leary and the whole team over there is pointing fingers at like no but finance did this and so they've got a problem with their auditors uh i think you've seen that um some of the auditors have left and have decided we don't want to be uh, we don't want to be a part of this and whether or not that's because they think Binance has been engaging in illicit things or they just don't want to be a part of this whole show in general. It's probably more of the latter, but I know that they're having internal issues now and also having to face all the allegations of, um, you know, everybody at FTX out pointing the fingers, but all of the exchanges should provide that, mo- that Merkle tree proof of funds be audited. And I, I think they'll come out, they'll come out of this and they'll, they'll be able to to show that. Um, at least that's what I would hope because that's what he's been saying. And, and I think that that's the problem they're having now is the auditing issue where the auditors are quitting. And the question is why? Yeah, it seems like they could probably share that information if they were inclined to though. (laughs) It's just, it's kind of hard for me to hard for me to accept that, uh, that they are are, are too mired in, uh, in paperwork or have lack of visibility into their own, uh, their own ecosystem uh, to be able to comment on it. Uh, but uh, maybe, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, Ravi, do you, you want, let's, let's wrap up this question. You know, in terms of building trust, what is, what is Zeev doing in order to build tr- more trust in this space? Obviously you guys are invested in, in getting more people to onboard, not only to use, but also to build mobile apps. Uh, yeah, so the take is to, uh, uh, you know, as I want one, you know, we are doing integrations with some of these uh, apps like, you know, Web3 Auth or uh, which which make the whole experience very easy. Second, you know, we are doing a lot of Web3 initiatives where we are, uh, you know, uh, training users how to use decentralized systems, continue to build more and more uh, robust smart contracts. So I think uh, uh, the idea is again very uh, slow and steady. Uh, that more and more people understand how decentralization works, how to manage their wallet keys, etc., and uh, uh, you know invest in uh, uh, you know decentralized apps. 
Well, let's okay. Well, let's imagine a, a future, hopefully not too much in the in the uh, distant future, where uh, Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX stops dominating the the uh, the headlines. You know, what do you see as uh, you know the the future of crypto in 2023? Particularly going into Q1, what what are you expecting out of this? Or are we going to have a a sudden? Uh, you know, Tim Draper still believes we're going to have a two hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollar valuation on Bitcoin by the end of twenty twenty three, for example. So uh, there there are optimists out there. Uh, what what's your feeling going into the future, Ravi? I know. So as far as tech is concerned, uh, uh, we are quite optimistic, quite bullish. We have seen uh, uh, the number of Web3 developers building uh, dApps and other decentralized uh, uh, systems have, have increased tremendously this year. Uh, in 2022, in fact, uh, uh, if you see the total number of smart contracts, almost one third of them have been deployed in 22. So, uh, so the way I see it is, you know, uh, the failure of FTX or, or before that Terra Luna or Celsius, etc. Uh, that that's entirely different as far as uh, uh, the optimism about Web3 is concerned. So, uh, in fact, I, I, I don't see uh, uh, major investments also dampening. Yes, uh, non-crypto VCs or not, non-crypto investors uh, may sideline a bit for some time till, you know, uh, um, all this FTX-related scenario is cooled down. But uh, on, the, on the tech side, I, I, and, and the best part is we have seen a, a huge adoption happening in the, on the enterprise space, which was pretty much non-existent in the last three, four years. So uh, in 23, I believe uh, the Web3 ecosystem uh, will continue to grow. Um, the number of developers entering into the system, a lot of Web2 developers are, are getting into Web3. A lot of enterprises are, are trying out with some established use cases. Like, you know, uh, we talked about Zenfin, but apart from trade finance, we are seeing a lot of tokenization-related use cases, both fungible and non-fungible. Uh, happening across the board. Institutional DeFi is again, I, I believe, is going to pick up. And then, you know, uh, usage of NFTs for some of the low-hanging fruits like, you know, music NFTs or uh, NFTs being used for loyalties or, or you know, some of the real-world assets like uh, invoices, etc. They are going to pick up in 23. So, yes, yeah, so overall, I think uh, uh, this FTX scenario or the, or the crypto prices uh, uh, have taken a beating and, and, and they will remain... Uh, bearish for some time in 23. But on the Web3 side, on the dev side, I think uh, things are are uh, going to be pretty huge. And you must be experiencing some element of that now, I suppose, since you, you are dealing with people who are trying to get, you know, apps rolled out for 2023 and beyond right now, I'd imagine. No, no, absolutely. So uh, we uh, uh, are running an event tomorrow. And we were expecting just 150 registrations. It's just a small meetup kind of event. And we have already got 300 plus registrations. And, and we, we don't know how to, you know, uh, accommodate that. So I think, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of euphoria. A lot of people are, are uh, seeing a promise of Web3. And a lot of new business models are getting established now. So there's more and more excitement, which is, uh, which is there as far as the uh, uh, tech is concerned. All right. Well, perfect. Um, Stefan, where do you see this going? Just putting on, on your glasses as a, uh, as a, a trend uh, forecaster here, you know, where, where do you, where do you see, I mean, obviously there's still a huge demand for the, um, for money that is independent of state and borderless and so forth. 
there's obviously still uh, a public demand, and and as long as there is that, I think crypto won't be going away. But w- where do you see things going uh, in in 2023? Hopefully, all of us are, are going to make bank, and all, all of the uh, altcoins will jump right back up, and billions will pour back into the system, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we're at the bottom, um, but I don't think we're going to recover really quickly. I think we're going to be dabbling around in Q1 uh, along the bottom and and then we'll start to see some new light um, at the end of the winter, the dark winter that we're going through. I mean, 2022 was a, you know, catastrophic year, but it was nowhere near as bad as the impact that Mt. Gox had on the crypto industry when Mt. Gox went down, because as an overall percentage, there was so much more money locked up in Mt. Gox than there was across the whole, as a percentage of the whole ecosystem. Today, the whole ecosystem is far greater. And so the FTX crash was a percentage of that compare in contrast to the double digit size that the Mt. Gox was. Um, Nonetheless, dollar-wise, it was far greater and much bigger. Um, I think we're just, it's about surviving the winter. We're going, I think the fiat market is going to struggle as well. Um, you know, everybody's saying we're going to go into a recession. Um, and, you know, I think crypto will recover faster. I think uh, we will see new ways of, uh, movement of talent across the crypto sphere will we see mergers will we see consolidation will we see acquihires um in the crypto world i don't know but i think you're seeing you know yeah you're going to see some good talent some good features that have been built out be then integrated into decentralized elements how do i integrate them into other decentralized elements um, yeah, I, I do see a lot of developers entering into this market. There are many people, I mean, like, let's just like Ravi mentioned, you know, I want to get, have an event for 150 people, 300 people come. So there's still a lot of, in the youth, um, there's a lot of hope in terms of being able to create economic independence, economic freedom by joining in and going full in crypto, right? And and I think this market is going to be for builders. And towards the end of the year, we're going to see a new trend grow out of this, right? From, um, you know, the, the DeFi summer that we had through to the NFT growth, through to ICOs, there's going to be something new that this industry that is continuously innovating will 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 create. And there will be a constant battle between regulators and the DeFi companies. I mean, I just think it's not go- it's going to be contentious. Hmm. So, uh, Gary Gensler, you're, you're not feeling the love right now? He seems so interested in our space. He looks like such a nice man in all of his pictures. Oh, well, uh, yeah. I, I, th- I mean, you know, he's the traditional finance I think, see the economic benefits and the cost advantages of the new systems that blockchain represents. They hate the cryptocurrencies. 
And the reason why this cryptocurrencies was evolved was, number one, it, it's, it's a new form of venture capital for startups to be able to fund their business and allow for crowdfunding of their business. The fact is that it was abused and there were many participants that you know, scammed users to get their money and then run away with it and not fulfill the promise. But in venture capital, it's a 10-bagger, right? One out of 10 companies make it. And so there, it's a high-risk business. And who is prepared to take that risk and who can afford that risk? And I think that we need to find through. And I think changing those rules would be much more advantageous to creating these new systems um, and, and allowing people to participate and, and, and setting the criteria in and defining what that criteria is in terms of how you can participate and what do I need to fulfill in order to be able to offer products and services in this market. That has never been stipulated. It's still extremely binary. It's extremely, um, what's the word, where just Gary Gensler decides he likes you or he doesn't, right? Why is Bitcoin a utility? Right. Bitcoin, in my view, is a pure investment asset. Anybody, nobody, I mean, how are you using it? You're using it today as a gold. You're using it as a security, as a federal reserve, as a backstop. You know, um, what's, what's Michael Saylor doing? He's buying Bitcoin and he's hoarding it. And he's hoarding it on his balance sheet. So it becomes an asset. Is that a utility? I don't see Michael Saylor using Bitcoin as a utility in no form or fashion. Um, can I see that? Right. Well, I, I see what you mean. Uh, it'll be interesting to, to see where that goes. You know, of course, there's been a lot of uh, promoting, especially in 2021, about how, you know, digital assets are giving uh, are giving re retail buyers opportunities to participate in capital markets. But um, the ability to partic participate in capital markets is not to say um, that it has also conveyed any any skill or any particular potential or any particular uh, protections around capital markets. So uh, I feel like that's part of what we we have certainly yeah. opened up, you know, more people to enter these incredibly high risk spaces, and they are clearly looking for some way to balance out the fact that like. You know, I don't know at what point do we say a recession is happening. Certainly, we've had a disastrous amount of inflation, more than I've ever seen in my lifetime. I think maybe back going back to 1981 or something like that, it it, it was this bad, but and, uh, it, how, it's pretty bad. Just on that um, note, how, yeah. how do we justify a increase, a continuous increase in interest interest rates that actually hurts everybody and the retail investor especially? And at the same time, we, you know, are willing to give out one point, how many trillion dollars in a new, you know, to stimulate the economy. So on the one hand, we're raising interest rates that hurts everybody. And then on the flip side, we're giving out one point nine trillion dollars worth of money, of which 47 billion goes to a good cause. But, you know, it's like I, I just... I, yeah, I think something is is not right in the system. It's <laughs> maybe I don't. I, I would agree. I, I'm I'm more concerned personally about um, the money that does not get collected uh, from the richest people in the world 
here here in the United States and what that shortfall looks like sounds like a bad business model to me. But then I'm awfully left for most uh, for most people in this uh, fintech space. So so don't at me. But do uh, uh, go ahead and uh, like and follow everyone on here. Bunch of brilliant people on here. Really psyched that you guys are able to show up today. Thank you for coming back. We uh, we did have a little bit of a hiatus because first I did the Future of Crypto show in New York on December seventh, and then I had COVID last week. So I ended. Up, so I thought I was going to do a show, but I never did do a show. Um, Mika, uh, you were at the Future of Crypto show, and I very much appreciate your participation. Glad you could make it today. Yeah, so happy to be here. Um, sorry, I'm a little late, and I also have to go right at. Um, I'm at, in California at ten. But, uh, no, it's uh, it's cool. It's cool. I'll just get this one question in then, because uh, I think you'll have a very different kind of opinion based on where, you, on, since you're focused on the NFT art side of it. What are your hopes and aspirations? Feel free to be, uh, you know, slightly optimistic here. You know, what what do you hope to see? out of the actual future of crypto in 2023. Yeah. I mean, it's surprising, you know, like the future of crypto. It's funny before, you know, cause this is happening in the wake of the FTX collapse. And I was a bit worried before like, Oh man, is this going to be a, you know, is everyone going to be really bummed out and depressed? <laughs> but I actually found that the opposite was true. Um, I mean, there are a lot of honest conversations, which is important, but, you know, people were pointing out, you know, how Goldman Sachs is, you know, looking to buy a crypto exchange and like, I felt, you know, just in a really um, intangible way, I felt a lot of momentum and energy in the room and I feel that to be true still. So, you know, I mean, I really think the parallel to the dot com, uh, you know, bust in the 90s is really appropriate you know there's a lot of right. yeah like and, and so and so ended the internet <laughs> right yeah we're not using that at all right now <laughs> um yeah so i think you know it's like a natural sort of i mean i think at the future of crypto that more than one people use the metaphor of you know fire or you know, sort of like a wildfire clearing the forest so new growth can happen. And that feels true, you know, but the energy and the momentum is still there. It's just, it's not on steroids because it's not, you know, filled with speculative juice. Right. Well, but from the artist's point of view, you know, what what is the Web3 space going to be like uh, going going into 2023? What are you excited about? I mean, all of it, you know, I mean, I think, I mean, something I'm particularly excited about is um, this collective called the Verseverse and Keith Grossman, who was at Time Magazine and before that at Wired, just became an advisor to them. They're like an art poetry collective slash gallery, and they're really looking to re to reform publishing and the way writers get paid um using a web3 ethos and yeah i mean there's you know people are still seeing the revolutionary potential here and how to how artists can benefit 
And, uh, you know, can I? you already kind of gave me a little bit of an impression because you, you answered about the future of crypto in title case, meaning the actual show, versus the actual abstract future of crypto, which is what I was originally asking about. But as for the, uh, as for the show itself, you, you said that you found it very positive. What was your impression of the show? I guess this is where I, I'm going to... I'm gonna fish for for uh, for compliments around the show. Get some testimonials. Yeah, well, just what I was saying. You know, I mean, the keynote speaker was packed. There was like standing room only um, for Kevin O'Leary and Anthony Scaramucci, and I thought that, and it was great because they were they were being so honest about their involvement in this collapse and like you know how disappointed they were and maybe embarrassed too. And so it was so honest, but it didn't, you know, the energy was still super high. And I thought that was amazing and real testament to the space. And yeah, like I said, like, I talked to a number of people who are just attending who, who told came up to me after my talk, and said that what I had said about Christie's actually inspired them to start getting in the space. Um, so that was like pretty cool that somehow I had inspired somebody at this point in time to just get involved now. <laughs> like amazing. No, well, I, I think it's important, honestly, and this is why even in these panels and on these shows and so forth, I like to talk to, I mean, also because I have an arts background myself, I, I like to kind of stack the deck with people coming at it from all different points of view. In 2016, 2017, um, you know, for sure, pretty much the crypto space was dominated by people who code and people who, uh, you know, have econ and finance degrees. And uh, NFTs kind of came in and, and changed that all at once, added a lot more personality and more ideas. Um, you know, did you enjoy the panel? What, what, how would you summarize your panel? Yeah, I love the panel. I mean, the three, I, I think the biggest takeaways, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, community, I feel like was really the discussion and, and what brands are doing well. And I, I talked about Christie's getting in early and then staying involved even after a market slowdown or collapse or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and um, I remember Ralph talked about Haritos, like, you know, they came in a little bit late and launched something that didn't do as well as they hoped. It didn't sell out, but it didn't cause them to give up. And so I think that taking a long-term perspective um, what was like one of the most interesting, you know, things that came up, um, and maybe in, in general with the whole conference, yeah. I think that was a theme. Yeah. The, and, and you're right. The, the O'Leary uh, interview in the beginning of the day was really interesting as the moderator, um, asked them some questions as, as an interviewer, I wouldn't have necessarily phrased that way. Cause, uh, you know, slightly combative she was like uh you know how did how did you trust these guys in the first place but i was glad that she did i mean and the fact that um you know scaramucci and o'leary were up to answering that question frankly that that's the kind of straight shooting or whatever you want to call that uh full disclosure that i think can help people maybe believe in in the space still um so, so Megan, uh, also, I, I believe you, were you on a panel or did you moderate a panel? You moderated, didn't you? 
Yeah, I moderated a panel, the one right after uh, Kevin O'Leary, actually, and I was talking to him backstage and I got his personal contact because I'm planning on interviewing him on my upcoming podcast as well. And I also think it's very important to, um, you know, to keep him in touch with the community and and be real about, you know, what went on behind the scenes and how he did his due diligence. And I I think those those questions are important, too. So. I would be inclined to agree with you. Um, but I just wanted to comment on what you were saying about what can we expect for crypto um, in yeah. this up and coming year, because that's kind of what our panel was discussing. Right. And um, I, I truly believe that this is an atomic brain drain of like literally all the most brilliant minds going to work in blockchain and blockchain technology and in crypto and, and all of that. And so I think that this year is going to be a revelation of in many ways, such as one thing I said is I believe that the next two to 300 million users are going to be onboarded by brands, big brands that are going to be involved in storytelling. And um, I, I think that also once we get this regulation, I would agree with Kevin O'Leary that people, big institutions that have no exposure will be willing to invest in this asset. I think it's clear where it's going. It's it's interesting you brought up uh, Tim Draper because he's confirmed for my upcoming podcast um, in a couple months here. And I know that he, he is a huge advocate, just like Michael Saylor. And he actually also said that women are going to drive the next bull run, which I find really interesting. And I've been talking to a lot of big brands and big, um, you know, like entertainment companies behind the scenes that are ready to get in, but they, they're waiting to have this conversation with the audience because they want to get it right and they don't want to steer them into any kind of chaos that's like been happening with FTX or all of those other ones. So I think we're going to see a lot of clarity as far as regulatory procedures. Big institutions are going to be able to, to invest and the money's going to come pouring in. And I do believe we're on the precipice of a generational opportunity. I truly do. And I think the risk is not being involved in crypto now and not researching and not understanding what's happening. And one last thing I'll say to the charts is I not only look at sentiment and, you know, what the trends will be, but also what the charts are saying, um, you know, the technical analysis. And, you know, typically uh, when we're about one year away from the Bitcoin halving, which is scheduled to happen in um, March 2024, that's when we start slowly accumulating to the upside. And that's typically what has happened. And all the other charts are showing that we're really extremely, you know, in the accumulation zone. So I think that we all need to consider this an opportunity, whether that be to start working in this area or to maybe get educated on how we can invest. And I really like Mike, um, Mika, I think that's your name. I didn't want to pronounce it wrong, but I'm really interested in the art side. And I've been interviewing big artists for the podcast as well who are explaining how they're leveraging NFTs to connect directly with their community and the thousand fan theory and that you don't need massive amounts of millions of followers to make money as an artist anymore. And this is revolutionary on so many levels. So um, I'm just so happy to be a part of it. And you guys did one amazing conference. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next one for sure. That's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mika, it looks like you have your hand up. Yeah, I just want to squeeze in one thing before I have to go. But um, Crypto Megan, it's great to see you again. <laughs> um, and I can't wait to listen to your podcast. Um, but I mean, I think in some ways, you know, with like Kevin O'Leary and Anthony Scaramucci, like even though they got so, so burned by this, they still believed in crypto. Like they still very much believed that it was the future and that, you know, the top 10 coins will uh, go on to do really well. 
And I feel like in some ways that is a far better sales pitch than anything anyone could have given last year. Just being like, yeah, we're all hype. We're all going to make it, you know, like, you know, just <laughs> I think like if the truth comes out, like after you get burned, like what happens after you do after a disappointment is the most telling sign of character and your belief in something so i feel like in some ways it was the best anti-sales pitch sales pitch that ever could have happened Mm -hmm. yeah i see what you mean you know a lot of people are saying that uh this is a time to build and you know i i have to say from interviewing projects of all different sorts that does seem to be the case people are trying to get the formula better and of course some gnarly people are uh shaking out of the ecosystem so just some of them uh you know a little bit more spectacularly than others um uh, john you know what are you looking forward to in 2023 uh, also uh, i w- would love to get your impression of the show yeah, definitely. So I, I was on a panel at the show talking about uh, disrupting existing technologies and so there to talk about trade finance. And um, I think the, it, was a, it was a good panel. It was well received. I agree. The sentiment at the conference seemed high. There were a lot of people there in the expo floor who were building uh, new innovative things, which is what you want to see. And I think that's what, what I care about most is that we keep innovating. You know, I, maybe 10 years from now, the blockchain and crypto we talk about looks entirely different than the one we see today, right? It kind of has to. We, we spoke about user experience, how that has to get better. We spoke a little bit about decentralization and how decentralization is extremely difficult in practice. It's easy to talk about, but it's hard to do. And I think everybody uh, who's trying to exist long-term is focused on, on decentralizing. Um, and so I think the future looks for 2023, uh, you know, from a global perspective, I think there's a high chance the economy doesn't do so great in 2023. I don't know how that reflects on the crypto market. Um, I don't know if we continue to see kind of systemic failures of, of centralized exchanges uh, into 2023. But if we do, then I kind of welcome it because we have to get those failures out of the way to continue growing. These are just growing pains. Um, I think that we see a big focus on on the growth uh, in the, uh, of data on chain. Right, the ability to share state across chains um, for this decentralized future that I think will come into play to for it to to actually exist, we need to start to improve how change can interoperate. You know, uh, for people to be able to have an on-chain identity and have their own on-chain value and own their own reputation and their information, you have to be able to share it across platforms. And whether those are centralized platforms like social media platforms or or banks that you may uh, have accounts at, or uh, just exchanges or blockchains. Uh, None of those mechanisms exist very well right now. So those are gonna be built out. So 2023, keep building. Um, You have to, at least my opinion, turn a blind eye to the price. If If we get that speculative bull run, fantastic. If we don't, it doesn't matter as long as we keep pushing the technology forward. Fantastic. Um, Jose, are, are we, uh, is the, uh, the roadmap starting on YouTube right now? Are we running into the roadmap? No, no, we're good for one more hour. Okay, good. Well, we'll, we'll wrap it up before then. 
But, um, you know, what what makes you optimistic for 2023, Jose? You've been getting through this whole show without without really talking that much, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah, sorry. I, I'm also covering all the news, you know. But for 2023, I think I'm optimistic that the winter is not over yet, but it's getting near, you know. Like, I'm still seeing a lot of news of pretty irrelevant stuff, uh, like companies still getting into the industry and that that gave me insights that we still have a bit to go down um when things when you know when when people say that this is over you always have a bit more you know it's always like that and it's always being like that and more when you when you still see like not not dropping hate on nfts you know but like that kind of hype still like making fuss around the industry and not getting to the essentials and covering and and s- s- making the solutions that the industry actually needs like before i start seeing that i think we still have some some like some bearish uh, movements what do you think yeah i i think so i mean honestly it, it's uh I don't know when people say that this is good for the uh, for the ecosystem. They're correct. It doesn't necessarily acknowledge all the human suffering that happens along the way. It's kind of like when people were talking about herd immunity around COVID. Uh, not to bring up another contentious issue, but yeah, herd immunity is wonderful. All we have to do is let three million people die, and then we develop herd immunity. It's like, well, all we have to do is let. People lose billions of dollars investment, but but I I think that uh, we are going to find the end of it, and I hope that one thing that makes us stronger is that we believe less naively in these hollow leaders. That essentially we worship not necessarily for the strength of their ideas, but for the fact that uh, they look very glamorous sitting there with their billions of dollars. And then it looks very different when it's a very different equation when it's exposed as being a house of cards. I hope we get a little bit uh, wiser about trusting billionaires and that any billionaire, including the one owning this uh, this particular platform right now, um, it has our best interest at heart. I think we have to have our own yeah. best interests at heart. Yeah, I totally agree. Also, like, for example, not to get back into F- uh, FTX and you're right, but like this guy were doing like huge donations and like nobody really said nothing to it. Like certainly that money was not coming from transaction fees from the exchange, right. you know, like, but nobody really realized or raised like the question like, hey, what's going on? Like we were just used to things going that way and not really think about maybe they were implementing a functional reserve system or using the funds against the user's uh, consent. So, yeah, I think that what you're saying around big personalities and like blindlessly following them, we're maybe we're not going to get into a period that that's like predominant in the space, but you know how societies work and that end up always being again the case, right? So, mm-hmm. like we 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 tend to shift from one leader to another, but let, yeah, let's call that that's for for a bit for a better uh, future for a better future, you know. Um. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's uh, 
we we keep running into centralization because that's how we're used to it being. We 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 want to elect home teams. We want to elect uh, fearless leaders and then believe in those people. But you know, based on what Sam Bankman Fried had a had kind of a thing going on, you know, in in his with his uh, shaggy hair and his uh, understated uh, t shirts and so forth. And oh boy, well he yeah, he is distinguished. I have a, a conspiracy theory. One second. <laughs> what if this was all a setup just to push harder regulations into crypto? <laughs> that would be yes. That is a conspiracy theory, it, it, and it and it could. I mean, it's it's crossed my mind too. Or what if they're just like softening? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um the, the what if they are just uh you know taking out the heads of all these centralized exchanges making it easy for merrill lynch and credit suites to just come in and buy them up you know yeah like, also, I think some people are buying yeah and make and make uh, like the people lose a lot of money so they can easily convince them to move away from crypto. Right. You are you make news. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and take that. Ravi, did I ask you the same question about the future of crypto? Or is there anything else you want to add? Um nope. Uh I think uh as I mentioned, we are quite optimistic and mm -hmm. we continue to see uh huge growth as far as um applications and business models are concerned. So yes, I'm very excited about 2023. Well, perfect. Well, thank you so much. I'm sorry, is somebody speaking? Was that you, J-Rad? No, not me. All right, maybe I just got some background noise. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for uh, for joining us today. I think it is going to be happy holidays, by the way, if we don't, I mean, I guess we're doing this on Thursday, so this has been quite our pre-Christmas show, but uh, happy holidays. Nonetheless, take some time, you know, away from your computer from time to time and, you know, exercise the uh, practicing the tradition of, of, uh, of talking to your family and that sort of thing uh, from time to time, you know, just so they, just so they, they still know that you're out there. <laughs> it's important to get away from your computer sometimes. Yeah, that's true. Hey, happy holidays, everyone. Um, it looks like we, we have a, a Sammy asking questions. So, yeah, let's go ahead. I'll, I'll go ahead and, Sammy, I gave you permission, or at least I think I did. Sometimes it doesn't work right. But uh, if you would like to, um, if you would like to ask a question, you're welcome to. Here, let me try it again. There we go. Does anybody else have anything that they uh, that they would like to add or promote? I guess we've we've got John and, and Ravi with us. Where should people go to learn more about about Zeev Ravi? Should they check out your Twitter account? Yep. Uh, so they can check out the website. Uh, there's a free account to sign up. There's a free subscription plan, and then at the same time, we are very active on Twitter, LinkedIn, and and Telegram. Okay. Um, perfect. Uh, John, you as well. Uh, where, where should people learn more about uh, what XTC is up to? So the best place to go would be XTC.org. That's a good landing spot. 
If you're a developer, check out docs.xtc.community. That's where all of our technical documentation is. Sammy, it looked like you slipped in at the last second with a question, or at least I believe you did, but then you changed your profile pic. You have a question for us, or am I just mixed up? Um, no, no question on my end. And good evening, everyone. I just said I wanted to thank the host and the co-host of the space and the team of XDC that are present here. So that's nothing on my end, no question. I joined the space, and I wish we continue to have them with time. Yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you. All right, well, everyone, I think that about does it for today. Please go ahead and, uh, you know, continue to tweet out the spaces. We're going to be back on Thursday. Jose and I are going to have a very, very exciting um, spaces to announce within the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm working with Illmind on that, who is a famous two-time Grammy award-winning producer, um, I, so I think I could say that much. We had a really dynamic and exciting hip hop spaces, uh, you know, hip hop and web three. And that was super dope. That was just a fantastic episode. Yeah. And we've got a, a great idea that I am like very excited about, but I'm trying to announce in a proper way. That's true. That's true. Like just the energy, it really made me think, you know, man, if all parts of Web3 had this kind of spirit of like promoting and helping each other, imagine where we'd be, A-Rod. <laughs> well, it's not super uncommon, you know, there's there are a few places and interaction in the community. We're not a like segregated community. I think there's good communication in. And we also mm -hmm. have a lot of scammers, but, well, you know how yeah. it is. But, you know, it's like by being individual creators out there, artists, you know, uh, spinning, writing, uh, you know, you're working, uh, doing instruments and so forth, uh, making their music, we, we kind of fulfill this Web3 concept of everyone out there contributing into the ecosystem through their own work like they're they're out there kind of doing it better than than most people who are just going strictly into like uh you know a, a, a crypto hedge fund or something like that like it's a different spirit of participation man it's exciting but we will have a very cool announcement about that please join us thursday gonna try and put together uh maybe a game file a five panel for that and uh thank you so much for joining us today Everyone, peace. Have a good time today. Take care of yourself. It's the holidays, so be nice to yourself. And we love you. We look forward to seeing you soon. Uh, Zinger Nation, peace.